Welcome one and welcome all. Welcome to the Scott Wyatt Podcast here. On this episode, I'm going to be talking about my beginning and introduction to music and getting started on this crazy ride, how I remember it. And I started really, really young. I grew up in a small town of less than 3,000 people. I think the sign at the time was 2,300, but I think we're getting close to 3,000 now in a little town called Whitehall, Illinois. And um, most of my, all of my family pretty much lived there except for some extended family in different states and whatnot. Early on, um, like I said, I grew up with divorced parents. I think they got divorced when I was like three or so. My uh, grandma on my mom's side, Helen Wyatt, uh, would watch me um, whenever my mom was at work and stuff at different times. And early on, I remember her making, like our routine was like waking up in the morning, uh, making some French toast, watching uh, Matt, or no, uh, the Andy Griffith show, and then watching Matlock. And it took me... A long time to realize that Andy Griffith and Matlock were the same people because <laughs> I thought they were both like made in that moment in time, you know, not years and years apart. So that was always kind of funny. While she was making French toast, she'd always have like Elvis music or some kind of music playing. But it wasn't until the moment, I don't remember exactly what it was, uh, what concert or if it was a movie. But I remember seeing Elvis Presley on TV performing and the crowd going nuts. And I... Just, I was like, that's what I want to do. How do I get to do that? And I also remember to go along with the <clears throat> the Elvis story. Um, I remember my grandma Bev Ferris, my dad's mom, she had the video uh, tape of his Hawaii concert. And I remember watching that a million times over there. And then uh, my great uh, grandma and grandpa, Aline and Glenn Petrie, on my dad's side, got me... Um, the uh, movie collection, the VHS collection of Elvis's movies, and I still got that to this day. So that's pretty cool. It's one of the things. It was back whenever, like uh, TV commercials, like where they you see them late at night on you know the nineteen ninety five or whatever the case may be, the movie commercials. But back in that time, that was a big deal. Like they would, like a lot of people bought off a of TV back then, not as much as they do these days. So kind of dates the whole story, but kind of puts you in perspective of uh, the time. So after that, um, really got me into Elvis, and um, during that time too as well, which was a pivotal point for me, I was at my dad's, and his band was practicing in the basement, and I remember every time they practiced, I was like, oh, it's so loud, how can they enjoy being down there in this, this is like so loud, you know, and it was so loud, like, that I would cry because I thought it was too loud for me to be able to play with, like, my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I freaking love the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Donatello was my favorite, that's why purple is still my favorite color to this day. <laughs> I remember I'd sit at the top of the stairs and just cry until they'd stop playing. And one time, uh, one of the guitar players, or bass player, it was the bass player, I believe, in my dad's band, they were down there practicing. And he uh, told me, come on down here, you know, and they called me Scotty. That's what all my family calls me. And um, they come down here, Scotty, say something on the microphone. And I'm like, inside my head, I remember freaking out. I'm like, what am I going to say? What am I going to sing? What am I going to do? You know, I remember I walked down there slowly. It felt like forever. It probably lasted, this whole thing lasted like 20 minutes. I walked down there. He handed me the microphone and I grabbed a hold of it. And the only thing I said was one word. I said, or no, it was two words. <laughs> well, I stood there for a second, kind of frozen kind of intimidated but just like me and four other grown adults down there you know and the bass player was like hey uh you gonna say something and i'm like cowabunga dude <laughs> that was all i had to say oh my goodness and from that point i was kind of hooked 
And uh, so I'd listen to my dad's band practice from then on. I would sit down there. I remember there being a, a carpet, like a new carpet, that, or yeah, I think it was new, and it was rolled up and had like straps around it. So it was like a big roll of carpet. I just sat on that and listened to him practice for hours. So that was kind of uh, the beginning of it for me. And uh, I remember after that, uh, me and my step siblings, uh, we had like these like little fake guitars. Like you could buy like these little, I'm talking like maybe 10 inch long guitars with little fake nylon strings. You couldn't really play them, but they made noise. Um, you could buy them, we bought them like Dollar General, I think, and made fake drum sets out of like uh, cardboard boxes and stuff and I had singers and we'd sing along like with the radio and like our cds cassettes whatever we had at the time so we'd start our own like fake bands after that my dad joined this band called two for the show uh, which was pretty well known at the time and they'd won like the gong show i think it was the last episode of the gong show which is like a, a talent show famous on tv years and years and years ago and um they uh would play all over I uh, remember Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. They opened up for a lot of acts and whatnot. And uh, we're also, I think, the backing band for Barbara Fairchild in Branson, Tennessee, I believe, for a good while. And uh, anyways, uh, during their show, they would do this skit to a Ray Stevens song called Guitar Zan. And those of you guys who don't know who Ray Stevens is, he uh, sang just kind of funny songs. You know, He was kind of ahead of his time at the time. And uh, he didn't do a lot of, like, I don't think he did any parodies, but he just wrote funny songs. And, um, but yeah, they did this skit for a, a song called Guitar Zan, and my dad would always dress up as the, the monkey. They all play different parts and stuff. And, uh, me and my step siblings and my sister at the time, we would, uh, well, no, my sister didn't really get into it till later, but it was me and my two stepbrothers at the time, Aaron and Jeff. And, uh, we would dress up as the three characters that they portrayed at their show, the two for the show show. And, uh, anyway, so that was kind of cool just to do that and imitate it. It was a lot of, it was, we thought we were doing big, big stuff, but we were just more or less entertaining the adults around, but it, it, it was big to us. Have you heard a little sipperini? I'm, uh, drinking some of this coffee called Four Sigmatic Coffee. It's like a coffee with uh, ground mushrooms and stuff. It's pretty good. Anyways, um, also at this time, I remember uh, setting at our, uh, we lived in like a local housing, me and my mom did, and uh, I remember setting at our kitchen table, and this when our phones were still on the wall. There was no like, uh, you know, cell phones or anything at this time. That wasn't even a thought in my head, and I never seen them, you know. But anyways, I would, I remember calling, um, where my mom worked at the local nursing home, Whitehall Nursing and Rehab. I called uh, the uh, activity director. I looked her phone number up, actually. I got her name, and I looked her up in the phone book, and I was the only way to look up numbers back in those times. And I remember it was like 6.30 at night, and I called her. It was Bonnie, and uh, she was the activity director at the time. And I called her. I remember being just so scared. You know, I think I might have been like six, seven years old, somewhere around there. And, um, or maybe eight, I don't know, in between like, probably in, in between probably like seven and nine years old, seven, eight, nine, somewhere around there, I think. And, um, I called her and told her who I was and said, I'd like to come out and sing at the nursing home. Would that be a possibility? And she goes, yeah, you want to play on Thursday nights at, uh, seven o'clock every week? And I was like, yes. And I remember hanging up the phone. I was like, I have a steady gig. I have made it. I'm going to be famous. Watch out. <laughs> and uh, so I remember going out there um, and singing on my karaoke machine, uh, like singing Elvis songs. Uh, Ricochet was really big at the time. They had that big hit, uh, Daddy's Money, back in the 90s, if you guys remember that. 
um, Diamond Rio, Blackhawk. I remember singing a ton of Blackhawks, Hawks, Blackhawks tunes as well. Jeez, easy for me to say, right? <laughs> and uh, but yeah, Elvis songs. I remember slicking my hair back. Oh, I thought I was it. And my mom helping me bring in my equipment. Then my dad had uh, let me. Uh, he yeah, he, he bought me a little PA system, and that's what I used uh, after I used my I used my karaoke machine for about four shows. And my dad got me this little PV PA system. That's what I used to. Uh, do my shows with you know and then uh shortly after that i said still living in the housing there in whitehall and i remember uh, me and my cousin started uh playing music or well trying to play music together we had started guitar lessons at that point i think i knew maybe one chord uh guy john coates in town uh taught us guitar lessons he taught us like uh, how to build the chords uh note by note and kind of the theory behind it so that was pretty cool so me and my cousin would play along with like CDs and just play and we'd sing, you know, crank our vocals up so we could kind of sing over the actual recording that was playing and we'd just play along with it, even if we didn't even know the chords, but we were singing along with it. So we had this wild idea. We were going to put on a freaking concert right outside my apartment with us at the very end. And so we plugged everything in through my bedroom window and uh, we walked around selling. We made tickets, drew them up by hand. And cut them out. And we walked around town asking people to buy <laughs> tickets to come and see us. We went door to door. Just Could you imagine these young kids coming up to you and saying, Hey, would you like to buy a ticket to come and hear me sing? <laughs> and I bet it was horrible. Oh, man. We also got a, a kid I was friends with at the time, Derek. And uh, he uh, was playing with us, too. I think we had him set up with the, one of my little makeshift keyboards. And none of us knew how to play anything, really. <laughs> but we looked like it. I remember, uh, I, I still got a picture. I'm going to try to find it. And I'll post it up on Instagram soon. I did this thing. I had this. Uh, I had a Walmart guitar. Let's go back to where I also, or well, never mind. Let's finish up this story. Anyways, I had this like Walmart brand guitar the acoustic guitar that my mom had gotten me. I remember like I'd do this thing in the show during, I can't remember what it was. I think it was meet in the middle by diamond Rio. Whenever we do that song and I would throw it up in the air and I'd catch it. Cause I thought it was cool. Cause at this time, Garth Brooks's concerts were like, he had like specials on TV and he was huge. I mean, he's still huge, but he was taken over, taking the world by storm at the time. And his concerts were so energetic and he did wild stuff like that. So I'm like, Hey, I'm going to do that too. Cause that's what Garth does. So I'm going to do it too. But uh, we're going to take a little sidestep in this story and how I got my, my first couple guitars. My first guitar, I remember, um, was a black electric guitar. Um, my mom got me. We went up to uh, Springfield, Illinois, and uh, my uncle took us around to some pawn shops. And uh, my mom bought me my first electric guitar and a PV amp. Didn't even know how to play it at the time. And then I really wanted an acoustic guitar because my cousin had one. So my mom uh, saved up all of her money and got me one for Christmas, I think, that following year. And uh, so that was, that was pretty cool. So, yeah, back to the story after we get done playing those concerts at the housing and stuff. I also remember we'd done a couple of those concerts outside. and We didn't sell any tickets after the first time because <laughs> we thought it was, there was people that just gave us a couple dollars, you know, just, just for being sweet kids coming up, you know, trying to get this business a rolling, you know, trying to put some cash in the pocket, seeing if they had HBO will help a brother out. Let me tell you. And some and folks did. I tell you, a very generous community I'm from. I tell you what, love them all to death. But through these little concerts, we uh, um, ended up doing a couple shows during, 
at the end or be, I think it was I think it was before Bingo started in the housing. There was a little conference room, and uh, we did a couple little shows in there for the folks, the, the ladies that were in there to play Bingo. So that was a huge, huge deal. And also at this time, I forgot about this story. I didn't even put this in my notes. Um, there was a there's a local radio station still that's still around today, 105.5 WJVO in Jacksonville, Illinois. And um, this was before there was uh, like cell phones and everything. Remind you and um, so back then, to call like out of town was considered long distance, and there was an upcharge. I didn't know that, and uh, so I ran up our phone bill by calling 105.5 dang near every evening. I remember calling there a lot, requesting a "Love Is the Right Place" by Brian White. I freaking love that song. We went on a trip down to Florida to see my family down there. Me, and my mom, and my uncle, and my brother at the time. Uh, we he was, I think, heck, maybe two. And, uh, or three, somewhere around there. And, uh, anyways, about the whole way down, I remember my cassette tape. This is when they started cassette, sing, like, singles that they sold on cassettes. Like, you bought one song on a cassette. Sometimes there may be two, and you, that, that was a big deal. It was only a couple bucks. And, uh, anyways, had this Brian White single, Love is the Right Place, because I didn't have the money to buy the whole album at the time. It's about the damn single. And I listened to that the whole way down to Florida, Orlando area, and all the way back up to Whitehall. So, yeah. So anyways, call and request, love is the right place all the time. And we had begged the DJ, beg him, beg him, beg him, beg him to let us sing on the air over the phone, you know. And one night, around 10.30 at night, I remember like it was yesterday, it was me and my buddy Derek was sitting there in my little bedroom in there inside our uh, apartment. He let us sing. He said, you guys know, um, what was the song? I Like It, I Love It by Tim McGraw. I said, yes, sir, we know that song. And I remember was listening to the radio while I was on the phone. And yeah, we heard the opening riff. Oh man, we rocked it out. Was was having a good time. Then the vocals started. Then we just started singing away. Both of us screaming into the phone, singing the song. We could hear it coming through the radio. And uh, at that time, I tell you what, we felt like we had just like, you know, sold out Madison Square Garden or you know the Nissan State. We we thought we just we did it. We thought we were, you know, the top at the top of the top of the top of the top. So anyways, also during this time, my uncle, who's a very well-known woodcarver and written many books and a very super talented guy, also a very talented guitar player and singer, which we'll get into later on in the podcast uh, during uh, some of the story uh, here that we're telling. But he had, he would, every summer, he would uh, do this carving show, wood carving show over in Branson, Missouri. And so me and my aunt, uncle, we'd load up my cousin load up my uncle's truck and he had to cover a shell over the back of his truck and in between all of his carving equipment he would carve out like there'd be like two areas on the right and left side where me and my cousin would lay it down like our pillows sleeping bags get it real comfortable and we'd sit in the back of the truck there in the truck bed part <laughs> with the shell over you know with all this carving equipment around us and ride all the way to Branson Missouri we would always have a cassette player with uh, batteries and practice songs and talk about music come up with our band name which we ended up our first band name was the western underground because we had just went to the tri-state rodeo with my grandparents bev and bob to uh and chris ledoux was playing and that was his band's name chris ledoux and the western underground which we only knew that because we went to the merch table and uh, we asked uh, i think they had a little thing that said that uh, it was chris ledoux and the western underground was the band's name his backing band and Chris Ledoux put on a hell of a show. And just a side note for some of the people that we saw at the Tri-State Rodeo that was so phenomenal. 
I believe the first one was Doug Supernall was the very first show we saw. And then Chris Ledoux. And then Steve Holy had that big hit, uh, Good Morning Beautiful, back in the day. And then the last one we saw was Lone Star. And that was awesome, too. So, yeah, that was Tri-State Rodeo in uh, Davenport, Iowa. Or Des Moines. Davenport, I believe. Davenport, Iowa. And uh, so, yeah, so me and my cousins ha- both had a similar love for music and everything. So we, me and my cousin continued guitar lessons. And to go back before guitar lessons, my our great-grandparents, Allie and Glenn Petrie, put us through uh, piano lessons with a distant family relative, uh, Dorinda Forster. And uh, I remember uh, piano lessons, I was not, like, the best... I, I'm not the best at reading like sheet music. Like some people, some piano players that are super great can just like open up any sheet of music without ever hearing the song. Boom, look at the music, play it. I can't do that. Never could, never will be able to. I can look at it and tell you what the notes are and everything, but that's what looking at it and kind of studying it for a second. So I mainly learned by ear. Yeah. So we end up, uh, I still don't know if it was rigged to this day, but I got first place in 1998 in a piano contest. So we're not going to say it was rigged, but I think everybody might have got a first place trophy. But I don't know for my group, I did get first place, so I'm I'm going to keep it at that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we all got one that uh, said first. I don't know. I have to if you're listening to this and you were one of the competitors, let me know, please. <laughs> I need to know if I'm really that good. No, I'm joking. Um, but this was before. At this time, there wasn't like it wasn't a uh, wide uh, known thing that or wide like uh, idea to uh, give everybody a first place trophy or a, a trophy for just competing or participating. You know, there was first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. I, don't know, I think it went first through fourth i think you got trophies or whatever now went for baseball and basketball and the whole thing so if we did all get first it was uh probably the first time it ever happened to my knowledge so but it was a great time and i learned a lot and uh very grateful for uh drenda for uh putting up with us kids the way that she did she was an excellent teacher and uh so we me and my cousin we've always kind of grew our love for music together he was always a better guitar player than i am than I was and still am. He's still, he's still, he's way ahead of me. We would, uh, me and my cousin began, uh, like writing our own songs at the time because we had became decent guitar players. We knew a fair amount of chords and we'd get together and have like writing nights. I have cassette tapes. I'm, uh, I don't, I tried to find it before this podcast to roll as I'm recording it, but, um, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll dig it up and, uh, play a, play a couple of snippets for you at the end of this and so you get a good laugh. Yeah. We wrote a lot of songs, put on a lot of concerts, uh, at family functions, like for Thanksgiving and Christmas, we'd play, uh, there's like a living room or the front room. I don't know what you call it. Uh, there's like two living rooms in my grandparents' house. We would, um, put on concerts, uh, all the family on my dad's side of the family that would come over. And uh, we got my little sister Callie involved a couple times. She used to sing uh, a little Texas song. I want to say it was God to Bless Texas, I'm thinking. And uh, yeah, I still cover that song to this day. I remember she'd always sing Bad Boys, that old cops theme too, when she was a really little kid and everybody got a kick out of that. <laughs> so yeah, we do like uh, concerts at family functions. And then uh, I remember like around the 4th of July, we'd always have a cookout at my grandma's and uh, we would set up in the backyard and play music and stuff. I remember one time we got my buddy Layton involved in there. 
And then it was around this time, I think I'm cruising around this time in the story. I think I'm about in junior high, which it was called junior high at the time, which nowadays is called middle school. So by that time it was like sixth, seventh and eighth grade. We just starting junior high. And I remember me and my cousin, uh, this is around the time like dial up internet was the big thing. And uh, this time there was like no Facebook, MySpace, none of that. So we would uh, go into like Yahoo chat rooms and you could use like a computer mic and play We'd play music for these country music chat rooms and stuff, and that was a blast. What else happened around this time? Yeah, uh, then my grandma Helen Wyatt, they got me like my, me really interested in Elvis. Uh, she was living in a nursing home at this time. Well, for most of my growing up after about, I don't know, I was about eight nine years old I think at the time I think she started living in the nursing home I'd go and visit her and play bingo with her on the Saturdays and stuff like that and at the time I remember she always like Ellen DeGeneres just got her start and Ricky Lake had a big show and she would always write into both of them guys like once a month both of them ladies tell them about me and try to get me on their show you know <laughs> I'm sure hundreds of people thousands of people did that but she was always pushing me and a huge supporter of me and I remember it was uh, her birthday in April and uh, we went to celebrate her birthday with her at the nursing home. And they set us up in this little room. And I played her a couple songs on my guitar. And she was just so thrilled. And uh, then she would go on to pass away a couple of days for my birthday that year. And, um, yeah, I miss her and love her to death. And she was an amazing woman. I still feel her support today. So, yeah. Then after that, uh, in early junior high years, uh, middle school years, I guess, to put it in today's terms, um, Backstreet Boys were just getting ready, getting big, and I remember I bought this is uh, when I still sold like the CDs were big at the time, so CD singles, and um, all I have to give was the big single, and I bought it and I sang that song in my room so much, and I remember standing with my grandma, and Grandpa Bevan Bob's, and singing in the shower. My grandpa would knock on the door, "Are y'all right in there?" <laughs> And uh, so I remember singing All I Have to Give by the Backstreet Boys day in, day out, all the time, and uh, practicing it, trying to get my vocals right. And uh, that's going to leave us at the end of this story, and then we're going to pick up, and we're going to talk about when I was in a boy band. What? Watch out. All right. Thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you on down the road. Three days. Like a child Yeah, I cry I regret it Although she doesn't know it I still miss that girl And I know That tomorrow will be My day And so far I believe I will stay Right here Right now it's so far away na, na, na. I'll be there In your arms No more harm For the rest of your life Till the day that we die We will stand Yeah, together Forever Our love will last Yeah, till the end Of time well, there's a 
I'm not lying.